tuning into the Backwood Church of God message of the week. We know that this message will bless you and your family. Last week we were talking about the word that, get, that Paul gave to Timothy. He said, I believe God. And I am persuaded, I'm convinced that what God said, not only will he do, but the Bible says that he's able. He's able. I know God is a great God. I'm going to do everything that I can do today to teach this. I'm going to do everything that I can do. Because I don't want to get so fast and so out there that you miss something because I believe what I'm about to share with you is that important. It's that life-changing. Matter of fact, just one second, it came to my mind. I gave myself one, one little thing that I needed to remember. And I want to do this. Michelle and Kevin Taylor called me last night. Kevin is Michelle. Michelle comes to church here. Kevin's come some, and we love him and, and uh, especially want to be there for him now. But Kevin lost one of his younger sons in a drowning yesterday. And matter of fact, would you stand with me right where you're at before I go in uh, to this service? And, and let's, let's lift this family up. Father, we lift the Taylor family up to you right now. I don't, I don't even know and I can't even imagine to lose a child but God you've lost one you not just lost one you gave one so that we might not only have life in this world when things are good but when life is bad to be there for us Lord you are the God that is there you are the God that is near you're the God that shows up you're the God of comfort you are the God of all comfort and so we lift this family up to you we lift Kevin and Michelle, we lift all the families that is going through this and we speak grace to the mountain in life that they are facing. And Lord, I pray, God, that you touch them, that you give them a peace that passes understanding. We don't understand. We'll never be able to understand. We'll never be able to get over things like this. We have to adjust and we can do so through your power and your might. So, Father, today we lift this family and give this family to you. Be God. Reveal yourself strong. Reveal yourself mighty. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen and amen. More information we get, we'll give to you. Last week, we ended up right here in Ephesians chapter 3. In verse number 16, we find Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. Not only praying for the church at Ephesus, he is really, in essence, praying for the church of all times. He's praying for the body of Christ that was, that is, and that will be. And he continues by saying, I pray from his, not from our, not from our might, not from our ability, but Paul connects us back to God's glorious and God's unlimited resources. We may be limited, but God is not. Can somebody say amen? amen? And that God, not Paul, not me, not you, not our giftings, not our title, not anything that we can do in this world, 
but the Bible says that he will empower you with inner strength. It's not just necessarily the things that are on the outside that we're so preoccupied. So often we neglect the chief thing and that is what's on the inside of us. So he connects him back to God, his glorious unlimited resources, his power within our uh, inner man to strengthen us through God's Holy Spirit. So he brings us and prays for this connection. Then in verse number 18, he skips down and he says, may you have the power of understanding. If we don't have wisdom, you can ask for it. If you need understanding, ask for it. God will lead us. God wants us to come out of ignorance and find out what the will of God is for your life. And so he's praying, he's interceding, and he says, I want you to have the power of understanding, watch this, not just as a preacher ought to have or a teacher ought to have or a bishop ought to have or an evangelist ought to have, but that the Bible says that all God's people should have that we may be able to know how wide, how long, how uh, high, how deep the love of God is. Then in verse number 19, he goes from just praying that you might know, praying that you might have a wisdom, praying that you will have this strength to then connecting us to an experiential uh, 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 place in Christ Jesus. May you experience the love of Christ. May you experience that love. That, that wide, long, high, deep thing of God in Christ Jesus. So, so great, one can't fully understand it. Yet, he says, then when we step into it and as we grow into it, we become complete. Can somebody say complete? And the Bible says that we become a full, full, a, a full Christian, a fullness of life and power that then comes from God to us. Then in verse number 20, he says, now all glory to God who is able. There's that word again, that is able through his mighty power at work within us. So Paul is telling uh, Timothy and now he's telling Timothy's church. He says, whatever you do, God is able. And God is able through his mighty power that is at work, watch this, not from the outside, but from the inside that mighty power, that mighty work that is on the inside, that is within us, to watch this, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or that we will ever think. So here's the invitation. Here's the prayer of Paul. Here's this passionate prayer of Paul that goes beyond just a mere prayer, but it becomes an intercession for the body of Christ of all ages. He's asking God, whatever you do, do whatever it takes so that these people can experience the more than of God. Please hear me. He is saying that there is much more, more to be able to live with, more to be able to accomplish in life with. Pastor, I've already tried this. I've already prayed those kinds of prayers. I've already asked God those kinds of things. I'm never able to keep what God starts in my life. I'm never able to last very long. I always fall. I'm never able to maintain the blessings of God. I've always, uh, I'm living in a state of comeback and I, I can never get beyond that place of blessing that I used to have. We find in the book of Obadiah that there were people, the people of God that were earning wages. They brought these wages home. It looks like on the exterior, everything is doing well. 
They brought it home and they put it in what the equivalent of banks were at that time. They put it in bags. And so here we find these individuals are, are building houses. Uh, they are build, uh, bringing home money. They are blessed. They're at home. They're no longer uh, captives. It sounds like blessings, but yet they live with absolutely nothing to show for in their lives. The Bible says that they put these blessings in bags, watch this everybody, in bags with holes in them. God said, I don't want you to find another bank. God didn't say, I want you to go find another bag. But God says, here's the problem with the circumstance of your life. God says, I want you to consider your ways, not your bag, not your bank, not the people around you, not the people that you're working for or living around or living with. God said, I simply want you to look in the mirror. Now, where have we heard this before? The Bible says that let a person examine themselves. We hear that just before we take communion. Have we considered our ways? Have we looked deep down and said, God, is there a, a something in my life that's not measuring up? Is there something in my life that's not exactly where, the way that it needs to be? Then God change me. That, that when we do communion, when we do prayer, when we're in the word of God, that's what we ought to be praying. God change whatever needs to be changed in my life. And so God told the people of God in Obadiah, and he, and he tells us as well, I want, you to, I want you to look deep down on the inside. I want you to consider your ways before we deal with what we call the excuses of life. And before we try to change the exteriors of life, let's deal with the inner person of, of, of who we are in life. Let, let, us, let, let the transformation begin even now. God, I invite you to do a, a transformation, a change in my mind. And God, if you can change my mind, you can change my life. And God, you can change me from the inside to the outside. And I do believe that the biggest problem of the church today is simply that, that we want to blame everything on the exterior things. We want to blame even God himself. But what we don't understand is, is that the most important place that we need to look first and change is ourselves. God, don't change my situation. God, change me and then change my situation. God, don't let us be like the man that we find in the first chapter of James that's, that says that we're drawn away by our own lust, by that man that looks into the reflection of the waters, sees himself self, and walks away. One translation says of that man that saw himself and walk away. One translation says that he forgot. He forgot who he was. I believe that we're living in a day that we have forgotten. We have become spiritual, uh, have spiritual amnesia. We don't understand what God has said about us. We don't understand that we can have victory, that we can live overcoming lives, that we are conquerors. We have forgotten that no weapon formed against us can prosper. And all of those that rise up against us are going to fall in the name of the Lord. You don't understand what kind of mighty man of God you really are. 
are. You don't understand what kind of mighty woman of God you are. The enemy has been hammering the church even for months now. And we've got people walking around letting the, letting the situation dictate their faith. My faith is not in this situation. My faith is in the God of the situation. I trust God. If God said he's able, then God is able. I feel like preaching right here for just a second. I've come by to tell somebody that you're not a weakling. I've come by to tell somebody that you're not empty. I've come by to tell somebody greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do I have anybody that'll shout with me the truth and celebrate the good news? Come on, somebody praise him in this house. Change me, God. But I believe that the, the biggest enemy that the body of Christ has, and the biggest enemy that you and I have, and I'm going to bring all of us together, all right? I believe maybe the biggest reality that we can wake up to is that we are our own worst enemy. Me. When I wrote that down, I wrote it down in all caps. I put a, I put a punctuation that lets me know emphatically. That exclamation point points back at me and I see that reflection of that word me, 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 powerful words. Me, not only powerful words, but words of revelation. I've got one story to tell you today and then we're done because this one story is all that I need to prove what I've just told you. King David, darling David, the prince king of Israel. David is a man who rose from the bottom to the top. He was a man that went from obscurity to notoriety. He was a man that went from the forgetfulness of his father to the one who will never be forgotten. But also, when you read the story of David, don't ever forget that not only is it a story of victory, but it is a story of failure. The story of David has all of these wonderful aspects of killing giants and people singing songs that, that Saul killed his thousands, excuse me, uh, 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 hundreds or thousands, and David has killed the tens of thousands. Don't ever forget that David's story is a story that is of brokenness. Don't ever forget with all the victory and with all the heart that God had for David and that David had for God, that his story is a story of self-sabotage. No matter how much re repentance David prayed and asked for, and he did, gut-wrenching repentance. But don't ever forget that David's life was also filled with repercussions for a lifetime till he died, even though he was forgiven. 
His fall was what led up to what we call Psalm 51. But before we can go there and learn an important lesson, I believe that we need to revisit what happened just before and what happened during and just after when God sent a great prophet called Nathan to speak into David's life. In 2 Samuel 12, verse number seven, verse number eight, I want you to listen very closely to what Nathan is speaking into David's life on behalf of God. It could have went like this, thus saith the Lord. That's exactly, if you look, exactly how it happened. Thus saith the Lord, not Nathan here, not the prophet, God. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now I want you to watch this. David, your life has been a life of victory. David, your life has been a wonderful story of example, but watch this. Don't ever forget, I, God said, anointed thee over over Israel as a king. Don't ever forget that I, am the one that delivered you from the hand of your father-in-law, Saul, who is keeping you from your destiny. Don't ever forget, verse eight says, that I gave you the key to the master house, even to the master's wives you've taken into your bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel. I've not only given you the house of Israel, I've given you the house of Judah. I've united them through your leadership. He even told his wife, David did, Michael, when they brought back the Ark of the Covenant. Remember this? This is not something that David didn't know. This was, what, this was something that David did know. And Michael said, you act like a fool. You're out there dancing with all the women and all the men like a commoner. And he says, wait a minute, woman. Listen to me. I'm where I am because of God. But it doesn't matter how many days you live with the revelation that you have what you have, that you are what you are, and you've done what you've done because of the grace of God. It only takes one second to sabotage all of that. And David sabotages this, even if he knows this and has lived this way for years. And this is what God said. This is the amazing thing. It gets me. Watch this. And David, God says, if the things that I just said I did and gave you was too little, I would have more over. Everybody say more over. Everybody say more over. Turn to your neighbor and say more than. God's got a more than blessing for you, don't he? And here we find it right here even in the story of David. If I'd known that what I'd given you was not enough, If it was too little, I would have given you a more than, more than. I would have given you such and such things. I would have given you even more. Oh, but somebody says, you know, that's that's David. God loved David. God had a heart for David and David had a heart for God. I'm just a little old me. Listen to me. The scripture said just a few moments ago in verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And verse number 18 says it this way, that you might have power to understand as all God's people should. 
I want everybody to listen to me. Get out of your mind that that was David. That was Jesus. That was this one. That was Abraham. That was Moses. That was this person. That was that person. Listen to me. God doesn't love anybody in Scripture because they're in Scripture more than you. You are in Scripture. We are writing Acts 29 right now. God's got something for you. God's got something for me. And God's got something for this church to do that is so extraordinary, that is so beyond. And I wish I had somebody right now that says, God, enlist me. Don't leave me out. God, include me. Somebody praise him now. Hallelujah. I'm almost there. Stay with me. He wants to bless you. He has great things in store for all of us. But I want us to learn an important lesson with blessing. You ready? The lesson with blessing is simply this. Responsibility. Responsibility. Luke 12 verse 48 says, When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You better watch how you pray. Listen to this. I don't have time to read it. I'm just going to hit the highlights. You can go back and read the story in 2 Samuel 11. A lot of this translation is from the New Living Translation, but by no means am I going to put it up. I'm going to hit it very quickly. Watch this. David had sent the army out to war with Amorites. Instead of David going with, with them like he should have what he was supposed to do, he stayed behind. David is in bed during the day, should have been out doing things, but here's the thing. He gets up out of his slumber, walks out on his roof of his palace. He looks over the city and he notices a woman that has unusual beauty taking a bath and her name is Bathsheba. He sent someone not only to find out who she was, but sent someone to go get Bathsheba and bring, him to, bring her to the palace to him. The Bible said that this, this is so romantic. Watch this. He sent someone to get Bathsheba. When she came to the palace, he slept with her and she returned home. Boy, that's a young and a restless moment right there. Later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, oh God, it was, it was the young and the restless. She sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent for Uriah, her husband. He told him, he says, go, come home. I want you to go relax. I want you to go uh, be with your wife. And even David sent a gift for them, knowing what he had done with his wife. Sends a gift. He doesn't sleep with her. He sleeps at the palace's gates. What's the matter with you, David said? You're crazy. You've been gone a long time. Your wife's a beautiful woman. You need to go home. Be with her. And this is what Uriah said, priorities. Everybody say priorities. This is what he said. Uriah said this to David, who's supposed to know this. He said, the ark, my God have mercy, the presence of Almighty God is not here. The armies of Israel are not here. Judah, they're all living in tents. Even my master, my general, my captain, their men are camping in open fields right now. How is it that I could come home, wine and dine, and sleep with my wife? I wouldn't never do a thing like that. I promise you I wouldn't. So the very next day, David comes up with a plan. He brings him in, gets him drunk, and even drunk, Uriah didn't, didn't go to, to his wife or to his house. So here's the thing. 
David thinks in his mind, I've got nothing else to do. I, I, I don't want this scandal on my hand. I'm known as a man of God. I'm known as the king of Israel. I can't let this, this, this stuff get out. The magazines will be full. The newspapers will be full. They'll be demanding that I leave. So here's the story that he begins to draw up, the plan that he begins to draw up. And so David calls Joab. He says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to take him and I want you to put him on the front of the line and I want you to pull back and when they, when they do, he'll be dead. And sure enough, David orchestrated the plan to actually murder, though he didn't pull the trigger, he might as well have done in heart and intent and killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. The man of praise and glory and honor, the man that had a heart overall of God, you mean to tell me that he did such a thing as this? When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned. There was a period of mourning, and when it was over with, David sent for Bathsheba to come to the palace, and she didn't become his wife. She became one of his wives. The son that she was pregnant with came into being, and watch this, died. The Bible said that the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Have you ever been there? So many of us have been there so many different times and have failed moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and other family members and more than anything, spouses and children and more than that, we have failed ourselves and we think that just because we're a prodigal, we can't come home. That's the reason why the prodigal had to come to his right mind. And then he went back home. There's a more than blessing for every one of you, and sometimes the hardest thing for us to understand is how can God have something more than in store for my life when I've been such a failure? I'm almost there. Second Samuel 12, 1 through 7. So the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David his sto this story. There were two men in one certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many of sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. He raised that little lamb. He grew it up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate. It drank from his own cup. He cuddled it in his arms like he would a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing the animal from his own flock and herd, he took the poor man's little lamb and killed it. And the rich man prepared it for his guest. David was absolutely furious. As sure as the Lord lives, he vows any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. You look over at your neighbor in this very intense moment and I want you to say, I want you to listen to the next words. I'm not going, I'm not going anywhere until you do it. 
And you say, well, that's real cocky. No. I'm fixing, I'm fixing to pull the cover back, and we're going to have a disclosure here. David is being told a real story that actually happened in Israel. He just doesn't know that it's about him. And so God and Nathan camouflages the fact that it's about someone else. And when that is pulled back or hid, if you will, David sees clearly. I'm going to give you this next statement. I'm going to read this and I'm going to give you a statement and then I'm going to stop and we're going to do what they did in Psalms. We're going to have us a Selah moment. You ready? Somebody says, I don't even know what a Selah moment is. You stop, you pause, you think, you reflect. And David was furious. As sure as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. If you remove us and ours from any story, it's amazing how rational we become. If Nathan had said, David, I know what you did, immediately he would have been this way. Wait just a minute. When it's somebody else's children, you curse. You pitch a fit. Something's got to be done when it's your children acting like an idiot. Oh, they're just a bunch of babies. Is this too tough? Is this too tough? Isn't it amazing how my and our blinds us from rationality? You will never have a more than blessing on you, your family, your marriage, your life until you become rational. And I'm going to show you how David went from not only being rational, but repentant and returned to being able to be used by God. You ready? Watch this. He must repay four lambs to the poor man who, who, uh, who, uh, who the rich man stole from. Nathan said to David, you ready for the me? You ready for the hour? You ready for that word to be inserted? Nathan said, David, you are that man. And there's nothing that can be taken away from the rationale that he just had, the revelation of responsibility. Who is it that caused this? Who is it that set this in order? David, none other than you, me. What powerful words. Me. What a powerful revelation. Second Samuel 12, verse number 10. Now, because of what you've done, now, because of what you've done, you're the man that set this in order. You're the man that set in order the repercussions. You're the man that broke the responsibility. Nobody else. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because of you. Second Samuel 12, 10 said. Second Samuel 12, verse number 11. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will rise up evil from even out of your house against you. 
In 2 Samuel 12, verse number 12, for thou didst this secretly, but I will do what I'm going to do before everybody and in the daytime. And no more than he said that. He starts a mourning process of a baby that comes into the world sick and dies and fasts. The baby dies anyway. Our God, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit here today. And all of a sudden, David falls on his knees. And he begins to do what he used to do before success. And before the throne. And before the giants. And before all the songs and accolades. He went back to the elementary things. And he realized that there's nothing in life without God. And when you lose that God connection, you've lost the life source and the power of doing anything further in your life. And so David picks up a pen. He rolls back a scroll. And with that pen, he begins to write these words. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your failing, unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins. For I have recognized my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you. And God, against you alone have I sin. God, I have done this. And what evil is it in your sight? You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgments against me are just. I'm inexcusable. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me but you desire honestly from the womb and teach me wisdom even there. So seven says, purify me from my sins. And God, if you purify me, I will be clean. My God, have mercy. If you wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. I'll come by to tell somebody that God's wanting to purify you. (laughs) Purify you from your sins and you're going to be clean today. I've come by to tell somebody that he's going to wash you. And when he washes you, you'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back, God, the joy of my salvation. God, you have broken me, but God, let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove those sins and remove my guilt. And verse number 10, man, you talking about getting real with God. God, it's not if you change my wife. God, it's not if you change my husband. God, if you change my, my, my circumstance, if you'll change my kids, if you'll change my job security, God, if you'll give me more money, God, if you'll change my boss, God, if you'll give me another house, God, if you'll give me another person, if you'll give me another relationship, God, if you'll do this and if you'll do that, God, I'll be all right. I, I, I've blamed people my whole life and you can continue to blame people if you want to and as long as you blame 
find people that's exactly where you're going to live in that imprisonment and you're not going to find the more than blessing. But I've come by to tell somebody that right now, right where you sit, if you'll look up into the heavens like David did in his brokenness and say, God, create in me, not my wife, not my children, not all those around me. I'm inexcusable, God. God, start with me on the inside. Create in me a clean heart and God, renew a loyal spirit within me. God, it's not anybody, it's me. God, the only person that can get me to Bathsheba is me and I refuse to walk out where I shouldn't walk out. I refuse to see what I shouldn't be looking at. I refuse to hear what I shouldn't be listening to. I'm not going to touch what I shouldn't touch but God, if I put my hands up towards you, you'll feel my life so much that there's no hole in my life and I'll be fulfilled the rest of my days, oh clean, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Ghost away. Don't take your spirit away from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Am I talking to anybody on this first Sunday in the, in the month of September 2020 that will let me know that there's been prodigal moments in your life? There's been moments that you left because of your own lust and your own ignorance, but somehow or another you were able to lift your voice and say, God, rescue me. God, clean me. God, make me whole. I'm telling you, there's nothing that has ever happened in your life that God can't forgive and wash you so clean that it's as if you have never done it one time in your life and that goes that goes for all of us. My God, do I have any forgiven people or are you forgetting how far God's brought you? Oh God, thank you for saving me, sanctifying me, putting your Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Somebody praise him now. I stand there this morning. You too can say I have blown it. Many times over I've said it. Many times over you've said it and we'll probably say it again. And we'll say things like, God, you'll never use me again. You'll never do anything for me again. In your devotional time, I want you to go back to Psalm 51 and I want you to read down to verse number 12 and I want you to stop and I want you to take it in. And when you do, I want you to have enough faith to slide your finger down from 12 to 13. And I want you to read the rest of this passionate cry of repentance and restoration. For when you move your finger down to the next verse, David says, if you do all of that, then I will. I'll get back to ministry. I'll get back to the more than blessings. I'll get back to the power to be able to accomplish why I'm here. Only God Almighty can do that. And today, many of us could say, I was this, I was this, I was this.
Even the scriptures gives a list of sins and says, such were some of you. But this is what he says. You ready? But God's grace. Would you lift your hands toward the heavens right where you're at? Just thank God for grace. Amazing grace. Grace that when you think about it, it blows your mind. God, where would I have been if not for you? Grace, I didn't deserve it. Grace, I wasn't even ashamed to ask for it, but you gave it to me. Would I be If not for grace. I know, I know we hadn't done this in a while, kind of like this. But, but is it coming back to you when you hear words like, if not for grace? Come on, one more time. Lift those hands all over this house. If, if you're a recipient of grace, if God's ever done anything, if God's ever forgiven you, if God has ever blessed you, if God's ever come through for you, if God has ever changed something that you set in order and it should, it should have played out, but it didn't play out because of God's grace and it wasn't as bad. <laughs> that car that should have killed you, that sickness that should have took you out. Oh, God. One more time, where would I be? Sing it with me. You only know. And I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case, an empty place. Everybody say it. If not for grace, say it again, if not for grace, if not for grace, say it one more time, all over this house, say it out loud, where would I be if not for grace? Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this house and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're lost, you're without God. You need to come home. Maybe you've never come home. You need to get right. Maybe you've never been right. If you're in this house, if you're watching, we know that there are hundreds of you that are still watching. But if you're in this house, if you're a part of this service, there's ways that you can connect even online. Quickly, quickly, let us know I'm that one. Yes, I'm watching today. Yes, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me. 
Now, would there be one in in this place right here that would just simply lift that hand right where you're at and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make things right with God. I need to make things right with the Lord. Would there be one hand? Would there be two? Would you lift that hand? I need to make things right with God. I need to make things right with God. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Pray this prayer with me. Those of you that are watching, for those of you that are here, we do this for the sake of you. You ready? Father, come into my life. I need you. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I recognize my ways. They need to change. I can't change them from the outside. They've got to be changed from the inside. So I accept your salvation in your son who lived for me, who died for me, who was buried for me, and who raised for me. On the third day, I accept your salvation, your forgiveness, and from this day forward, I will never be the same ever again. In Jesus' name. Put your hands together and give the Lord the biggest hand clap of praise. Thank you for watching the Bashley Church of God message of the week. We would love to connect with you and your family. Please give us a follow, click like, and be sure to subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. We hope that this message has encouraged you today.